On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Marcus. What's up, Ray? I need you to give me a hand with the tarp over here in the corner. It's the imbalanced time machine. <coughs> We're it's taking dusty, this man. dusty thing out again. I know. Just cover your, put your mask on from when you were doing the, uh, you know, the mask for the COVID. Yep. And maybe you won't inhale a ton of dust. I'm going to get in trouble if we keep taking these time trips. My wife's going to bust me, dude. The main thing is the cost to recharge the machine because, you know, it takes gigawatts. <laughs> and they're expensive. Especially if you're going to go back 50 years, my man. 50 years to 1972, a year of amazing music. The music is absolutely incredible. Last year we talked about 50 years in 1971. Right. 1972 did not miss a step. I've seen some incredible conversations online on Twitter about 71 versus 72 and which year made better music. And What kind of horseshit is that? Arguments anyway, for both years are fantastic. I mean, they were the, equally the argument great years. What the hell I mean, not arguments, but discussions. But the good thing about that is it's getting people to talk about music that they love passionately. And that's spurring bigger conversations about music that people are passionate about. So that's a win for music. And it gets rid anytime, of all the crap on Twitter. Anytime... People are divided over opinions these days. I think it's a bad trend. Just saying. Because there's enough shit that's got people separated. 1972, though, the tone was not unlike today in some ways, Marcus, 50 years ago. You might be surprised to learn that in 1972, President Nixon started the space shuttle program. That Shirley Chisholm became the first black American woman elected to Congress. The movie The Godfather was released. Both the first and second failed, Watergate break-ins occurred. The triumphant tragedy of the Munich Olympic Games. Five White House operatives arrested. George Carlin arrested for obscenity. Bobby Fischer beat Boris Spassky in chess. Nixon defeated McGovern. HBO led the pack into home box office television. Just some of the things that were going on in 1972. The top three television shows of 72 were All in the Family, Sanford and Son, and Hawaii Five-0. The number one song in 1972, American Pie by Don McLean, followed by Let's Stay Together, Al Green, Nilsson, Without You, Neil Young, Heart of Gold, A Horse with No Name, America, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, Roberta Flack, Oh Girl, The Chai Lights, The Music That Year, Up and Down, Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I was six, and it was playing in my house. Now, you were six and still kind of a single-oriented 45 pop guy, right? By that point, in 1972, I was starting to become teen-like and thinking in terms of albums. And the albums that came out in 1972, I think we should start with the overall 
list of albums and just our brains can just go crazy. And then I want to talk about uh, my list of those albums that I have, that I own. And then, of course, we talked about doing our five favorites, if we can really do it, a shotgun five favorites out of all these amazing albums on this list we're looking at. Uh, they're 50 years old in 2022. Before we talk about anything else, let's thank our sponsors, the good folks at Boldfoot Socks. Check them out at boldfoot.com. And Crook and I Brewery in the heart of Hampro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. You can have a whole big keg full of arguments over beers with this list, Marcus. But I think pretty much everyone agrees that out of the best albums out of 1972, Exile on Main Street, that double album from the Stones, is going to be pretty high on a lot of people's lists. No doubt about it. That album is huge, and it shows how great the Stones were becoming and how much they continued to get better and better and better. It's them hitting their full stride after that period we just talked about in our last episode. Yes delivers in 1972 with Close to the Edge, just a masterpiece of progressive rock also the album which we've covered on an earlier episode which had such a huge impact on society both from a fashion standpoint from a social and a party standpoint as well as a music standpoint the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars and that'll be a favorite on many people's list as well just so much great music and people hitting their stride like Todd Rundgren on something anything Dan make their debut on Can't Buy a Thrill. Then you have Neil Young's Harvest, which was played in my house. My dad loved Neil Young and the fact that he wasn't a quote-unquote great singer, but he wrote these beautiful songs and sang them very well. Also, Elton John was big in our house, and Honky Chateau, another album that got a lot of spins and a lot of traction at home.
Jethro Tull hitting their stride in 72 with Thick as a Brick, incorporating long-form rock songs into their projects. And an album that woke my parents from a sound sleep on Christmas that year. I'm talking about Machine Head from Deep Purple. Well, that's how you indoctrinated your parents to Deep Purple. <laughs> yep. I think mom got a funny feeling every time she saw me pulling that album out of the stack. An album that it'd take me a few years to own and uh, get the band that made it. I'm talking about Sailing Shoes from Little Feet. What a great album from a great band. One of my favorites. And I hadn't yet discovered them in 1972. The Slider from T-Rex. Everybody in my junior high school owned it. That was one I got a little later in the 80s and one that I am glad that I ended up getting a hold of it. Following that, Lou Reed's Transformer, one that many of my high school friends had because it was Lou Reed and he was in the Velvet Underground. Deep Purple makes a second appearance in 1972, the first of a few artists that'll do that in this list. It's made in Japan, Deep Purple. And if you ever enjoy spending a Saturday in the park, Chicago released Number five. Wah, wah, wah. Steven Stills made a solo debut on Manassas, getting critical raves. And Emerson, Lake, and Palmer with Trilogy kind of bridged the gap from junior to high school years for me. It'd be a couple years before I would discover Give It Up from Bonnie Raitt. And then I would discover all of her music. And she just became one of my favorites because of this album.
Every single deadhead I know has this album in some form, whether it be cassette, eight track, or vinyl. And I'm talking about the Europe seventy (laughs) two recordings because everybody who listens to the dead from my childhood time period cites that as one of the most important live albums in their collection. Three reasons why. Incredibly well recorded. The way they put it together as far as the songs flowing like a show and just the overall package and sound. It's just one of their best albums, even though it's a live album. And we also got to taste the sweetness from Georgia. The Almond Brothers eat a peach. Bittersweet because it would mark the last recordings of Dwayne Almond with the brothers. His death in late 71, the album released early in 72. 1972 was a big year in my house for Alice. Y'all remember Alice, right? Alice Cooper? He was the guy that scared everybody's parents. When we got no choice, all the girls and boys, making all that noise, cause they found new toys. Well, we can't salute you. Definitely true in my house. Him and Bowie scared the shit out of mom. And School's Out was kind of a rebellious thing. The single was one thing, but all the other songs on that album, man. I would wear the grooves off mine, and somewhere lost in the universe of Flotsam and Jetsam are the uh, little lightweight panties that were wrapped around the album when it arrived originally. I do miss those panties. The Doobie Brothers taking a walk down Toulouse Street. And I got to tell you, when I went to New Orleans for the first time, I had to go to Toulouse Street just to say I was there. It is an album that emits cool. My indoctrination to the Doobie Brothers via FM radio. Songs like Listen to the Music, Rocking Down the Highway, Jesus is Just All Right, all got play on the radio stations I was listening to as a kid. So a great introduction to this band and such a great album. Next up on our hit list, if you want to call it that, the first of two appearances by Uriah Heep with Demons and Wizards, which really got them on the radio, Sweet Lorraine, got them on all kinds of rock radio all over the world and really helped to make their name. And then just a short time later, in 72, The Magician's Birthday as well. Two from Uriah Heep in 72. Would you like to take this magic potion with me? 
I skipped over a bunch of things that I'm going to stop into here with Mott the Hoople and all the young dudes that saved their career. They'd been trying, and Bowie gave them that song. They turned it into a hit. That song still holds close to my heart. I was a kid when I heard that, and it made me more interested in a lot of the glam from that time period. In our next look into Pink Floyd, Obscured by Clouds will be part of the story. And it's part of the story of 1972. Pink Floyd just about to go to the dark side of the moon, man. I have no idea how long we've been talking about all this and playing all this music. So let's pause here and we'll come back and look at more of 1972, this amazing year for music. Get into a little bit about the albums that I own inside this list. And then we'll do our Shotgun 5 favorites on the balanced history of rock and roll. You know, man, I've been meaning to ask you, you did the big cancer ride down the shore. How were the bold foot socks on your feet while you were riding down there and in the rain, too? Tell you what, those bold foot socks were tough in the inclement weather. And between the boot covers and the socks, my feet didn't get stinky, wet, musty, or anything nasty like that. I did not get gnarly feet at all. Gnarly feet, bad. Uh, bold foot socks, feet protected, good. Seriously, they felt great. They wicked the sweat out of me because we were riding and we were riding at a good pace and... Only the socks are going to wick the sweat out of you, buddy. That's all I want to say. And, you know, that's one of the things they're really good at. And that helps you to get, like, a drier ride, like, between the sock and your feet when it's getting wicked away from it. Oh, we sweat big time when we ride. When your feet are moving at that pace for as long as they are, you need protection for your feet. Your feet are important. You can't do what you want to do without your feet, so you need your feet protected. So beat your feet to boldfoot.com and check out the wide variety and styles of socks they offer right there on their website. And don't forget to put it in balance 15 in the code box to save 15% on your first purchase at boldfoot.com. Look, they're your feet. Be bold. Thirst. It's a need, Marcus. You need to satisfy a real thirst. And what a better way than with a nice, fresh craft beer at Crooked Eye in the heart of Hatboro. And you can also visit Jamie's House of Music in Delco to get that very fresh and tasty Crooked Eye beer. Their music schedule's picked up at Jamie's House of Music. I follow them on Facebook, so you see a lot more shows going on there. And anytime they're open for shows, you can get your Crooked Eye there, get a growler, and take some home. Or you can head to Hatboro, and their schedule's picked up a lot, too, and... My Vinyl Night is moving to its permanent home the second Tuesday of the month. Come and see us. Bring your vinyl if you want, or I'll bring mine. You can't forget that Friday nights from 4 to 11, there's live music over at Crooked Eye and open mic night the first, third, and fifth Mondays of the month. First, third, fifth. I can't do math when I'm drinking at Crooked Eye. Well, the brews are cold, and they're always fresh, always the favorites, and something new on the board there at the brewery location in Hapro. 
Serving the cure for what ails you since 2014, we thank them for their support. Of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll podcast. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new Factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Back for more, we took the time machine back to 1972, and you know, the coffee prices are really good here in 72, not to mention the beer and the uh, vittles. <laughs> My daughter goes a lot further, and it's been a while since that's happened. <laughs> hey, we stopped up after Pink Floyd's Obscured by Clouds. The next album on this list from 1972 that was released that year, Never a Dull Moment from Odd Stewart. I had nothing to do on this hot afternoon. Here's a guy who could be in the faces and out of the faces at the same time, and nobody cared because he was that good. Not only that, it's a follow-up to Every Picture Tells a Story, and Never a Dull Moment's got some beautiful songs on it. The song that I first heard from this album, You Wear It Well, and then his Sam Cooke cover of uh, Twisting the Night Away were the two that really I was first familiar with from this album, and then later in my teen years went back and listened to the rest of the record, which is beautiful. Probably Edgar Winter's most popular album. They only come out at night, appropriately for all of us night owls, even in the 70s, right? And that had Free Ride on it and Frankenstein, and we all had a real good time. And Autumn, which was a beautiful song, Dan Hartman said. But Frankenstein's probably the best story about how they had all these parts and pieces and kind of cut them all together to create a Frankenstein instrumental classic. <laughs> And it's all on that album out of 1972. And the Moody Blues released Seventh Sojourn, another fantastic album from them. Their last for a while, and it was really strong. The first album that I acquired from the Moody Blues. I worked my way back. And then the album that got me into Stevie Wonder, Talking Book. I remember seeing the cover as a kid and asking my parents what it was. And my dad put it on for me. And I was completely, completely blown away by Superstition and You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Very superstitious. Writings on the wall. 
Songs like Tuesday Heartbreak, You and I, Big Brother, I Believe. That album still holds so dear to my heart. Just a powerful, powerful album. And really, when Stevie Wonder was doing things that were way ahead of his time. 1972, the debut from Roxy Music. The Gabriel era of Genesis continued with Foxtrot in 1972, and they really made a mark in America. Pete called it like it is. He did a solo album, but called it Who Came First? (laughs) It's always funny with me. (laughs) Even my dad was into this next one because we had a family copy of the London Chuck Berry sessions on Chess Records. When I was a little bitty boy, my grandmother bought me a cute little toy. Silver bells hanging on a string. She told me it was my ding-a-ling-a-ling-o. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-o. Even my dad liked that song. I think everybody liked that song. Not everybody got The World is a Ghetto, but War kept their run rolling in 1972. After their initial start with Eric Burden, they became a band unto themselves. Slayed Alive, released in 1972. These guys were a hot rock band then, even though most people today don't know who they are. An album that got a lot of play at my house and one that drew me in because of the album cover. Catch Bullet 4, Cat Stevens. His music, so beautiful, and my parents were so into his song, so he was played constantly at that time. Oh, I'm on my way, I know I am Somewhere not so far from here All I know is all I feel right now I feel the power growing in my head Sitting on my own, not by myself Everybody's here with me I don't need to touch your face to know I don't need to use my eyes to see Your parents were a lot hipper than you probably realized when you guys were all little kids growing up because they were not just into the commercial stuff. They had a lot of interest in music that had some depth and feeling to it. So that's where a lot of your feeling about music comes from, bro. Just saying. Catch Bullet 4. Son of a bitch. What a great album. Great album. In 72, the band delivers a treasure trove, a double album called Rock of Ages. Songs like Don't Do It. Don't you break my heart, Marcus. Uh, The night they drove old Dixie down. One of my favorites from the band catalog, Rag Mama Rag. And The Weight, the original one. 
the shape I'm in from side four. Oh my, oh my. It's just an amazing collection of songs Marcus had in 1972 from the band. Grand Funk Railroad released Phoenix. Santana also released an album called Caravan Sarai. Clear Spot was the release by Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band as well. If you've never heard Captain Beefheart, bro, go find some of his music. It's pretty crazy stuff. Van Morrison found his way in 1972 with St. Dominic's Preview widely viewed as one of those albums that set the tone for the 70s. Some good songs on there. The Beach Boys released an album called Carl and the Passions, So Tough. The Jeff Beck Group released their debut record. Yeah. Set the tone for a lot of things, man. Somewhere in my basement, in a box of special stuff, there's an original burlap cover of Jackson Brown's debut album. It's called Jackson Brown, but we always called it Saturate Before Using because that's what's printed on the burlap on the cover. And that included Dr. My Eyes, but it had songs that really showed the depth of what Jackson was about with songs like Rock Me on the Water or Under the Falling Sky or Song for Adam. Jackson Brown. A band out of Long Island was making some noise with their self-titled record, Blue Oyster Cult. And the solo debut from Paul Simon as well as the debut album from the Eagles. Their story is told pretty well about how they all met and came together through Linda Ronstadt and all that in the miniseries Laurel Canyon. And their debut album has some great songs on it. And a little bit more of that country feel you were talking about before, about bands, if they were coming out now, would probably be on country radio. But the hit songs began a legacy that continues through to today. The Raspberries released Fresh, and then you had Volume 4 by Black Sabbath, another band that scared the crap out of a lot of adults at that time. (laughs) You really did. Evo. 1972, you see how musically full it was. And Sabbath 4, or Volume 4, is one of the albums that is in my collection, including that Jackson Brown record, the first Eagles, the band's Rock of Ages, London Chuck Berry, I mentioned that. The copy is really beat up, too. The cover's real beat up, because we would play it all the time, you know, in the living room mm-hmm. after dinner. I own Close to the Edge and Ziggy Stardust, which I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Steely Dan there, we can't buy a thrill, and Harvest. I didn't always own Harvest, but my friend Joey Kelly did, so we kind of played his copy whenever we went over his house, that kind of thing. I eventually got around to it. I think I have it on CD. That Christmas story I told before is only a sliver of the whole story when I got Deep Purple's Machine Head. Sail and Shoes, which I eventually bought when I had a chance through George Stone to buy all of Warner Brothers' Little Feet stuff in the early days. Speaking of Warner Brothers, Bonnie Raitt's Give It Up. What a great album. So many great songs and uh, a great introduction to a lot of people. Europe 72, which we talked about. I own Eat a Peach, School's Out, which has all white grooves. The uh, fold-up cover, it's like a school desk, right? The top flips up and the vinyl pops out. 
The Doobies with Toulouse Street and Edgar Winter. We talked about that album. They only come out at night uh, with the Moody's Seventh Soldier and Talking Book and Exile on Main Street and Emerson, Lake and Palmer's Trilogy. They're in the albums. I think that's pretty much all the ones that are on this list that are in my collection somewhere in some form. What about you, bro? I have most of the ones that you have named. I have Thick as a Brick. I have Honky Chateau. I have Europe 72 in some form. I have Eat a Peach somewhere. To Loose Street, School's Out, I have an, an MP3 album or a, a digital album. All the young dudes I have on vinyl somewhere. I have a bunch of these on CD, too, like Talking Book I have on album and I have on CD. I actually have my parents' cool. album of Talking Book from when I was a child. I have uh, Roxy Music's debut record. I have Foxtrot on CD. Catch Bullet 4, I have my parents' vinyl. I have Harvest, my parents' vinyl. I have Jack. Jackson Brown somewhere. I have Paul Simon. Uh, my parents were so into Simon and Garfunkel. I have the Eagles debut from my dad. And then some of the other albums from 72 that I have acquired, like Al Green, Let's Stay Together. Rocky Mountain High by John Denver was a big part of my childhood. You had Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes album. Superfly by Curtis Mayfield. America Eats Its Young by Funkadelic, which I got turned on to in the early 80s and was like, whoa. So, some really amazing albums in 72. Hey, you know, I kind of glossed over that debut solo album from Paul Simon, but you know what's on there? Me and Julio. Down by the schoolyard, mother and child reunion, all kinds of good stuff. What a prolific songwriter from that time period. And the fact that he actually thanks Stevie Wonder for not releasing an album <laughs> when he won his Grammy just shows you not only his brilliance and as a musician, but his uh, respect for Wrong the other musician's album. Yeah, and he's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. I heard he's a bit of a cur sometimes, but I, you know, people say all kinds of things about yeah. people, I think. I think that that shows a great sense of humor when you can just mm -hmm. drop that in there, you know and stuff. This has been a kind of trip down memory lane and, and, and two, three times I guess because we're hitting some of these synapses and memories in people's heads uh, multiple times with multiple mentions of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, not to be redundant on that, you want to do uh, Shotgun Five Favorites from these albums out of 1972? I would absolutely love to do a Shotgun Five Favorite. Vegas ain't going to give us anything because it's Shotgun <sighs> and it's quick. How many do you think will match? Screw Vegas. What do you think? Three. That's I what did, I was going to we'll say. I'm going to say three. All right, say, all I, right let's see. But I, I want to get honorable mentions out of the way first because right. that way uh, we don't have to worry about that. Uh, my honorable mentions are uh, Neil Young's Harvest, mm -hmm. Eat a Peach from the Almond Brothers, Saturate Before Using the Debut from Jackson Brown, and Exile on Main Street. And some people might be surprised that that's an honorable mention until you see what my five is. Number five, Europe 72. We can share the women, we can share the wine. Still listen to it all the time, man. Mm -hmm. When I had it on vinyl, I played that to death. Then I got the CD, and now I just listen wherever I can because I have digital stuff. Particularly like to listen to the CD when it comes to my number four. It's yes, close to the edge, close to perfection at number four. 
They say you never forget your first girl, Marcus. And I'll never forget Alice Cooper's schools out. That album got me through high school. It's bizarre. It takes all kinds of twists and turns, but it's epic. School's out. My number three. Here's one I'm sure we have in common. It just turned 50. I'm talking about Ziggy and Bowie. My number two. It scared the shit out of mom on Christmas morning. And it is my number one album out of 1972, Machine Head, from Deep Purple. Let's go, space truck across the stars, Marcus. Let's go. <laughs> well, we had a lot of What you got for your honorable mentions, bro? Some of my honorable mentions include Superfly by Curtis Mayfield, Moods by Neil Diamond, just because it was such a part of my childhood, the Lou Reed debut record, Roxy Music's debut, America Eats Its Young by Funkadelic, a bunch of the ones you mentioned made my honorable mentions, Styx's debut album, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Rocky Mountain High, John Denver, and Obscured by Clouds, all part of my uh, honorable mentions from 1972. Why didn't you add so many of those to the list you could have ah because we had so many of them that we talked about so many of them and i threw a bunch of those in afterwards so. that's cool that's a lot of honorable mentions and yep. i understand why my number five is your number one machine head deep purple we have one in common Woo-hoo! so far that album just a monster of an album number four you don't mess around with jim jim croce and that one got a lot of play in my house. My dad was such a huge fan of that album. You had songs like the title track, but Photographs and Memories was such a beautiful song. And Operator, what a sad, beautiful song about loneliness. Time in a bottle. Boy, could he, with his guitar and his voice, really move you to the core. And he is somebody that was such an important part of our childhood. If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever If words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure And then again I would spend them with you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do once you find them I've looked around enough to know You're the one I want to go through time with Number three, a soundtrack Jimmy Cliff, The Harder They Come
soundtrack. It opens with You Can Get It If You Really Want It. You've got The Harder They Come. You've got Toots and the Maytals. You have Desmond Decker. You have so many great musicians highlighting that time period. I got to see that movie in the early days of cable. It showed on USA Channel one day, and I loved that movie right away. So The Harder They Come, number three. Number two, talking book Stevie Wonder. You are the sunshine of my life. Superstition. Tuesday Heartbreak. Big Brother, I believe. This album, just incredible. And the cover still blows me away. And I love album cover art. And this is one of those album covers that has beautiful art. As does my number one, which is, I think, your number two. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. What else can I say about that album? You can't. It's just an amazing thing that happened in our lifetime. That's the way I look at it. It changed my childhood without a doubt. So that's two in common on our Shotgun 5 favorites. (laughs) Looking back at 72... And you brought in a couple things like The Heart of They Come and the Jim Croce album that aren't on that list. And it just goes to show that when it comes to lists and countdowns and what I would call completely subjective rankings of worst to firsts and all that, it's a lot of hooey. And that's why we like to do favorites, because I appreciate your favorite. I may not agree with them or understand some of the stuff you pick. And the same is true reverse. It's Mm -hmm. just the nature of the conversation. But it keeps it civil, which I see social media being an excuse lately. That's why I'm off there so much. For people to just be assholes to each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really against that. We have fun. You know, we use the Spicoli drop-in. But, you know, we're only kidding around. You know, we we really have fun with this whole thing. It's lighthearted and fun, and it should be for you, too, because it's music, goddammit. And enjoy music. Music is important. Music saves lives. And it's supposed to help us to feel better in times when we're going through a lot, including whatever is going on in the world or in our daily lives, which often is overwhelming for folks. So share music. Appreciate it. Don't grade it like it's something like a math paper. Okay? And remember, food and music together can change the world because those are two things that unite people. I see that becoming your mantra more and more because when you eat together, you talk together. I like it. Absolutely. And speaking of talking together, share with us your five favorite albums of 1972. Or if we left an album off the list that we did not mention that's very important in that year to you, let us know because there's a gigantic list of albums from 1972 and we didn't even touch on a half of them. I only worked off the list that we were working off of. I didn't reach out beyond that. You know, again, it's what we're talking about isn't the end all be all, you know? But I did figure one thing out. The sitting and talking thing, sitting and talking and eating. You know where you learn that, don't you? Around the dinner table in 1972. Just say, when we're kids and we have dinner together as a family. And we talk. We learned. And <laughs> that's kind of what leads around to this funky podcast that we do, brother. <laughs> uh, digging into 72. You know, I promise. I see the, the imbalanced time machine over there where we left it. But I forget where I put the key. Mm. I don't know what we're going to do, man. Uh-oh. I don't want to get stuck here. We got to get back. Oh wait, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Get back. It's a text of myself. Oh, in case you forgot, you put the key behind the tree. Once we figure out which tree, we'll get back to modern times and take on another great adventure here in rock and roll. But, no, let's get, wait a minute. I right, got it. Okay, let's go. Time to go back. 
Signing off from Dark Dark Media, I'm Ray Koob. I'm Marcus Goldman. On our way back from 1972 on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.